Hi everyone, uh, welcome to episode three of the Game Week Navigators. We are back this season, and we have just started doing a position-wise analysis of how the players are looking, how the picks are looking for the season ahead, right? And with me, I have Suresh, FPL Rebound. How are you doing, Suresh? Hey, Sankal, I'm good. How are you? Hope you are enjoying the break. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good break. Uh, I mean, I try to take as much as possible, right? I try to be off football as much as possible, but the transfer news keeps sucking you in, right? But it's <laughs> been a good window so far for Arsenal, and I'm enjoying it. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Same, same here. Completely, you know, uh, off football, off even football news. I still haven't even made a single draft so far. It is it is only it is only my auto pick team just for the sake of ranks. Uh, so not uh, the team ID. So not um, playing around. Not really. I mean, I I played okay. around a couple of positions, but I didn't you yeah. know get into making drafts and such. Understood. I think this will be an interesting conversation because. As things stand now, I think the midfielder slot looks so interesting, so interesting, right? I feel like getting into the yeah, season, definitely. this is going to be a season of midfielders. And uh, I have done a fair bit of playing around. Uh, I think I would have made four or five drafts, not a lot. Uh, and I feel like, hey, this looks so good. Let me just settle here. And I, I've stopped playing around for some time now. Uh, so it will be a good conversation for us to have. And maybe for you to get, uh, you know, a good understanding of where things are and maybe it will give you some inputs for your own draft as well, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I haven't made drafts but uh, as such, but uh, I've been continuously following up, you know, what's happening around the game, you know, what is the combinations that most of the uh, discussions are going around. And as you uh, rightly mentioned, uh, midfield is going to be, uh, you know, pretty heavy, heavily dominated. Probably the three five twos, or uh, you know, uh, even the four five ones. I've seen some. I've seen some crazy ones uh, stating that you know they're going to stick with four five ones throughout the season and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, five midfielders is, uh, you know, uh, sounds like that's going to be uh, the key for this season. Because you have a hell lot of midfielders, all the way from your premium midfielders, all the way to the enablers. You know, uh, there's quite a lot of uh, midfielders. There's a few who are turned from forwards last season to midfielders this season. That's again, you know, uh, creates more flair to the uh, position. So that's that's primarily what uh, we are here for today to break down. You know, the all three segments were premium, mid, uh, mid price, and budget. So why don't we get started straight away? Definitely, definitely. Let's get so, started. All right, let's let's begin with the premium midfielders, and there's no other better place to begin this discussion for with this man. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. So and, uh, you can see the ownership uh, percentage right uh, right there at the. Bottom left, right, where uh, we are st- we are doing it descending wise. Uh, you know, we, we are starting with the highest, most price options, and slowly, slowly, we are going to come down in this segment. And uh, 12.5 million, uh, not surprised with this price. Even if he was priced 13, I thought it would be fine. But 12.5 is good because there is a slight difference with respect to Haaland. Right, Erling Haaland is at 14 million, so we have a 1.5 million deficit, and still only 26% ownership so far. What do you think of it, Swiss? I mean, for me, this is uh, a bit surprising, to be honest. This is not the kind of ownership numbers that we see, like, um, 
and let's say one month uh, into the season, you know, um, uh, this number is usually used to be crazy, at least a minimum of 40 or, or even 50% sometimes. But what I've seen is there's quite a few people uh, who are betting against uh, Mo Salah, at least from their initial drafts. That's my, uh, yeah. you know, uh, analysis or, or that's my observations so so far have been I've seen people you know uh, having the gut to say uh, I'm going to stick with one single premium player which is going to be uh, Haaland and my captaincy is sorted and I don't really want uh, another uh, premium midfielder or a premium striker for that matter uh, yeah, which on the looks of it <laughs> yeah one, one million is a popular term <laughs> Yeah, yeah. On on the looks of it, you know, uh, from the recency bias, we've seen Haaland with a crazy season, so it it kind of makes sense uh, at the initial look of it. You know, if you're not going to captain uh, someone who's priced at twelve point five million week in week out, then it, it gives you that uh, a bit of second thought whether should you really go for that or should you spread across the money, but. At the same time, we know what kind of a player uh, Mosala is and the consistency that he has. He has been delivering uh, season after season. Uh, let's say he, uh, probably the last season was somewhat touted to be his bad season, you know, uh, in the in the recent few years. But still, he he was able to deliver 239 points, which is not a, a you know easy feat, you know. That that's. Yeah. That's, his that's bad quite season amazing. is 240-point season. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> his bad season is 240 season. And uh, uh, Liverpool on the whole as a, also have improved. You know, uh, their midfield has stabilized, you know, uh, both the defensive as well as offensive midfield slots. Uh, so that solidification, you know, is only going to add uh, value to this guy. He doesn't have to, you know, juggle around uh, or, or come back, support in the midfield kind of a thing. He's, he's, he can go out, play freely. So, you know, he can uh, be himself uh, what he does best. So that kind of a, a thing. So uh, I would I would expect this 26% only to be increasing from here on. I don't see that falling anymore. Even people who are sitting in the uh, one meme category might slowly start to creep in because I, I really don't, you know, like to discuss numbers for Mo Salah. It's, it, we uh, all are, know you Mo, uh, are you team Mo yourself or are you no Mo for now? I, I'm definitely in for Mo Salah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still going in a very traditional kind. So I might have both Salah as well as Alan at this point of time. I haven't made a draft, but something is running in your mind, right? That some kind yeah, of a draft or a structure will always run into your mind. So I definitely have Mo Salah in my mind currently. If something really drastically change, you know, from now till the beginning of the season, uh, if there is some sort of uh, players that come in uh, in a different teams or anything that gets changed, where you see value, where you have to accommodate uh, a few more players that you want, Maybe then I, I might start looking at it. But on the looks of it, I am still very much comfortable owning both. Perfect. So I am no more currently, uh, you know, a few drafts in, right? Initially, when I was starting the draft making uh, segment for myself, I was pretty much convinced that I'll start with Mo and not Haaland. Somehow, you know, looking at the fixtures, looking at everything, uh, I, I went the Haaland way. 
right just to begin with things but just for people you know a couple of points for uh, you know people who are looking at this uh, uh, video are thinking whether we should go whether we should start with who or not looking at last season and last season was not great season for mosala in terms of F- fpl ownership at least right and still if you look at these are some of the stats which are purely with respect to his comparison with other midfielders in fpl right and he had the most attempts on goal last season as well you know when it comes to with you know comparison with midfielders 125 he recorded most shots inside the box 104 among midfielders he had the second highest rank with respect to big chances that he received to score right and he also had the highest shots on target among the midfielders so while there was some sort of drop there's not a lot of drop if you look he's still one of the most incredible assets that we can have and just to add like suresh was touching upon liverpool have now got a new players the midfield has changed completely you have mcallister coming in and you have so ostelai sorry I, i think i'll have to you know uh, practice it a bit uh, but the, the, the <laughs> we're going to take some so time for th- <laughs> yeah, yeah we're going to take definitely going to take some time to get that familiarized <laughs> exactly that's but why dominic yeah. has come in and uh, he, from the looks of it right dominic is an incredible off the ball presser and looking at some of the bundesliga graphs where he plays etc etc i see that he covers a lot of the wider areas already right and that might change things a bit for mosala because last season we saw him staying out hugging that touchline a lot and if it comes in right uh, more is just more right i am on a no more draft currently and i'm dreading it and these are just you know some <laughs> thoughts for you guys whoever is thinking of you know more or no more right uh, let's move on i think we have spent quite a bit of time on mosala let's move yeah, on to the next yeah let let's skip past to the next one so uh the next key player uh is kevin de bruyne so yeah. where do you want to start on kevin de bruyne do you have kevin de bruyne we can i think most of us don't have uh, you you see 5% ownership and these are the 5% of managers <laughs> who might have taken a random uh you know just a random sort of uh, selection for the draft because kevin de bruyne ended last season with a injury right uh, in the champions league uh, and i think just prior to the champions league final and that's the reason uh, from whatever we are reading so far he's not expected to start the season right and that makes things a bit more easier for us as fpl managers we know that he's not starting also because it gives us some more clarity among the where the starts might be when it comes to the city picks right which is so so crucial for us to you know have uh, but just looking at his last season right you might think that kevin de bruyne did not have a last season he ended last season with 180 points 183 points right incredible asset yeah. and i was just looking at his stats just look we don't know the minutes he played only 2400 minutes uh, right uh, but still he had the highest points for 90 he he ended with his most assists highest xa you know highest number of big chances created a lot of crosses you know that kevin de bruyne and haland combination worked out really really well for manchester city so good thing for us we know that he does not start with some certainty obviously we'll still wait for the post preseason news to come in uh, but he's a player that we should not forget and the moment he comes back in you know is someone that uh, i i think this season we'll have a lot of hop in and hop out uh, right among if you have sala right you have that that's one more advantage that you have is you can always hop into kevin de bruyne for some of those two three you know great fixtures and then hop out back to mosala hopefully uh, you know as long as price permits you right so th- that's something for kevin uh, let's move on to the next player yeah 
definitely one to watch out uh, once he comes back from injury uh, but uh, the next player is <laughs> someone uh, who had a phenomenal season uh, last year and he had a great bump in price as well this season uh, for for obvious reasons of, of course he he had a great season last season so we're talking about uh, Marcus Rashford so has he has he made into your current drafts yeah definitely i mean uh, this doesn't make any sense uh, you know given the fixtures that united are starting with uh, i thought uh, let me just uh, there a lot of uh, fpl managers who are playing around with rashford and bruno and so on but uh, in my mind uh, it's a easy set and forget to begin with right it's a problem that i keep for wildcard one is when you actually start tinkering around but starting with you know just look at his numbers last season right and he is there as a midfielder in comparison with mosala right and uh, looking at his goal attempts right he was second for goal attempts last season uh, second for xg as well among midfielders 108 attempts on goal right incredible xg as well you know 15 16 as was his xg and i, I think he scored 17 out goals right most shots right. on target and uh, second highest big chances as well i think uh, behind uh, mosala right so the stats the inherent uh, metrics are looking good as well the fixtures are looking good what do you expect from uh, rashford this season yeah nothing nothing really short of what uh, he did last season you know uh, he still our talisman unless we get uh, you know an out and out number 9 in another month you know uh, as we begin yeah. uh, going to the new season i don't see a lot changing for marcus you know if there is an out and out striker let's so uh, hypothetically speaking or you know even a, a highly unlikely possibility someone like a kane let's assume that he, he comes into okay. uh, united you know then you know that will make me uh, kind of rethink okay maybe uh, he's not going to you know cut back into central positions more often than uh, he was doing last season but that's not the case you know uh, i don't see uh, such a prolific striker or uh, you know uh, united still not not even linked with any strikers to be honest so the priority is right the atlanta boy uh, you know i think there were some initial discussions with him yeah but uh, i i really don't uh, you know expect much you know um from an uh, from a new signing of that sort uh, to get and uh, get into the team and make an impact it will still be marcus that's my uh, you know uh, opinion he's still the star player for four uh, goals and assists that we would be dependent on so marcus is a great value at 9 million if you are contemplating between bruno and marcus as you told uh, marcus is still easily my uh, uh, easiest first choice pick, to make yeah first first pick obviously so don't even give us a second thought maybe if you know if there is a stretch of fixtures down the line in the season where united fixtures are really attractive then you can maybe look into double up but i wouldn't really advise people doubling up even i saw a couple of drafts where it had both marcus as well as bruno but that's quite expensive i would say uh, given that united doesn't have that sort of an attractive fixtures we have a a bit of okay okay fixtures i would say three. i think first three were looking good uh, first you know, three tough. yeah uh, two home and, games uh, uh, one yeah. one against uh, wolves and spurs. one against uh, nottingham forest there is uh, spurs in between in game week 
and game week four we have Arsenal. Both are away games, so that's what putting me off. You know, uh, both these away games uh, right at the start of the season. So not not really exciting, but uh, and and okay. not to forget, uh, United really struggled in the away games last season. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. But all said and done, Marcus for this value is definitely a good pick. One thing, a couple of questions I have for you because you are a United fan, right? And I want to pick your brain as well. One is the signing of Onan. I think it's getting closer and closer, right? Uh, Einstein has already tweeted it's getting closer. So uh, for me, he's the goat of journalism, right? So once he tweets that, hey, this is going to happen, it's done. More or less, you start. Yeah, it's done, it's done. right? So yeah. uh, Oni has tweeted already saying, hey, you know, Onan is getting closer, and that also means that there's going to be a change of style, right? Onan is fairly comfortable. With the ball on, uh, you know, at his legs. Yeah, his distribution is fairly good. You know, significant. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Really good. Yeah, extremely good, right? So, a lot of uh, United fans are speculating whether that also means that it will be there will be a change of style. It was last season. I think United dropped back a lot, and they were hitting a lot of teams on counters, right? And you, counters is when Marcus Rashford comes alive, right? Because his pace, his timing of runs is like exceptional good, and his finishing skills is out of the world, right? But this season, you will have a lot of ball with you, a bit slower passes, and you know the defense is sitting back against you. Already, they will sit back because last season United did better, and they came into the top four. So there is going to be bound. Uh, there is going to be slightly higher respect for United, and they're going to sit back a lot more, right? Uh, second is, is there a possibility that Marcus comes into that number nine position because you have Sancho and Anthony, right? And these are two wingers, uh, which. Can be utilized if Marcus moves, and also because there's a lack of striker. I think the Burnley guy has gone back, right? There's no established striker now, right? right. So, is this a possibility where we start looking at Rashford as a number nine, and how does it impact him? So, uh, my answer, simple answer for both questions: uh, it is going to be a wait and watch. It won't be an immediate change. Uh, if you ask me, it will be if there is a change in style. Uh, I think Tenago probably transition it at a very uh, you know uh, a relaxed pace rather than taking the high road saying that you know on from the game one you're going to play this particular style uh, i don't think that is going to happen it will be a slow transition but there will be a transition for sure but we'll probably still you know build the games from the behind you know we'll uh, we would like to still hold the ball for a, for a majority period of the time given the uh, you know opposition so uh, I wouldn't expect a quick change in style. At the same time, I don't expect uh, you know uh, Marcus to move into number nine unless you know uh, there's not even a, going to be a backup striker kind of a thing. But the only challenge, only uh, reason I say that is uh, both Anthony as well as Sancho is still not very comfortable. You know they had their own moments last season. They had a bit of purple patch for uh, both both the players here and there, but they're still not, uh, you know, gelled into this unit, gelled into what the manager is expecting. They had a bit of uh, on and off the field uh, activities that is bothering them. So all that is happening. So I need to, you know, really see them getting at the best of their uh, game. Maybe that will give a confidence if the both the wingers are firing in. Then I would expect Marcus to, you know, get into a number nine. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. 41% ownership, fairly popular. And I think both of us uh, are behind it, right? I think both of us will have Marcus Rashford when we get into that game week one. 
pending any you know injury news or pending any preseason vibes that we get from uh, united yeah. right let's move on to the next player who do we all have? right this is Sunny an interesting boy. choice so i'm not sure uh, the the ownership is 5.7 for uh, hyunwin san rightly yeah. so because uh, he had a very disappointing outing last season but uh, what what is your sense is like do you see a bounce back right away from him given that there is a completely new manager new style so w- what do you expect from sun this season uh, i definitely think uh, so sun had a, a, a thing interview he did with uh, one of the korean news channels and he was speaking about his injury last year and how he continued playing despite the injury right so he already indicated that uh, you know last season was bit injury affected and this season he is going to come back fairly stronger fairly fitter right uh, the, because he's one of those rare players who rarely rarely you know underplays his xg he's he always overperforms his xg right been a tremendous finisher and last season was one of those rare uh, you know chances where he did not get a lot of chances and also he uh, you know underperformed his xg right so this season i expect a bounce back as i said uh like you spoke about uh, ange is a new manager who's coming he's a fairly attacking one and that's one of the reason i'm very excited about spurs assets because you have son humming we also will speak of madison right so you have multiple assets to think about but at the same time i think it will be a wait and watch right uh, the fixtures don't scream spurs the fixtures Uh, like hey you know every alternate match or there is a good possibility i think at some point of time the fixtures turn and there's a a uh, probability for us to jump in he's yeah. on my you know wild card watch list uh, to begin with yeah from game week 8 onwards it it looks like a pretty good patch of uh, games uh, i'm in a similar uh, kind of state the initial four games uh, they have three away games so that's kind of uh, though considerably on paper they they might be relatively easier games but uh, that's still offsetting me kind of uh, you know three away games from the four that's one thing uh, my my only surprise was i was just going through some of the uh, stats and all of the uh, stuff around sun this last season uh, he he has scored around 152 points this was his lowest since 2016 okay so he kind of fell off the cliff because we know what kind of a player sun was and what he could uh, you know he could do so uh, given given the new manager managerial change uh, i would really expect what's going to happen around and the other aspect for me to uh, keep sun on the waiting list is whatever news that is flowing around kane you know okay kane is going to move out then uh, uh, richarlison might be becoming the prime number 9 or if they are going to bring in someone else we don't know but how that's going to in turn affect sun because he had such an incredible partnership over the last many 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 years right okay. so that's that's something which i'm keenly going to watch but the price is really tempting he had a huge uh, drop in price uh, rightly so but uh, you know it would be a great differential uh, you know given how he gets going Yeah, definitely. I think nine million is perfectly priced just to tempt these FPL managers, right? Yep. And when we're looking at fixtures, at right? game week three onwards, we have three very good fixtures. So game week one and two is merely for us to start observing, right? The United match would be good for us to know how Sun plays, right? No Kane and Kane is a very interesting discussion. 
I I am firmly a believer that you know if Kane moves out right I am I am more excited about assets like Sun and uh, uh, Sun as well as Madison because I know obviously it's going to impact Spurs as a team but I also feel that you know goal involvement right that we saw 51% for 21-22 season can go even higher for someone like Sun right so these are some of the things we'll obviously come back to this you know when we do a much more detailed analysis on Spurs as well as when we have some pre-season understanding of how Spurs are going to line up. Right. Yeah. Let's move on to the next player. All right. Let's jump on uh, the star of, uh, you know, budget midfielders last season, bumping him up to the premium category this season. So it is Saka. So take it away, uh, Sankal. <laughs> Bukayo Saka, I mean, uh, obviously as a fan, I'm like extremely excited that uh, he's now extended his contract with us. Is there for another four years, you know, for sure. Right, last season was, uh, I, I I was kind of expecting this kind of season because as a fan, I could see the kind of development you see as a player. Right, he's getting stronger and stronger in his duels with players. Right, he's becoming much more intelligent on how he positions his body, how how he can get himself closer to the goal. Right, and that came out last season. Uh, he had 14 goals, 12 assists, fairly strong season. He ended it with I think 202 points. Right, and you can already yeah. see the ownership, right? Fifty-one percent ownership. One good, uh, you know, as a fan, I can give you one good eyesight news is when I was having a watch of the preseason match, uh, you know, a couple of days back in Germany, uh, it's Nuremberg FC. Saka looked delightful. He scored the only goal from Arsenal, but he looked delightful overall. His partnership with Ben White, it felt like they never stopped. You know, there was no break. <laughs> Right. So, that's one good thing that he has come back with. Last year, he ended last season with injuries. He was playing through his injury. Arteta, even the I think Southgate confirmed that the lad had his injuries. Right. So, I'm assuming that with the month break, he would have recovered a lot and he looked really good. Uh, while the stats do look good, just for you know just putting out a con, he did overperform his uh, XG and XA by a strong margin last year. Right. And if you look at his uh, you know, metrics. While he's done very good in sorts in the box, he was third among midfielders. And, you know, fifth, uh, when you look at the goal attempts, right? But if you look at sort and target, etc., some big chances, XG, right? He was not there in the top five, right? And it's something to keep note, right? I personally believe that he'll going to, going to, he's going to continue that trend, right? But if he does not, it's something that you have to keep in mind that last year he did really well, you know, compared to the metrics. Maybe it comes down a bit normalized unless we put him more into, you know, better positions this year. Right. All right. I think that's that pretty much speaks for itself. Uh, I, I don't think there is much to debate around Saka. He's most likely the most popular. Yeah. Uh, so 50 plus percent ownership i i can only see that going higher up closer to the season let's let's jump on to the next player okay so bruno fernandes with an ownership of close to 23% which is a bit surprising for me you know so uh, any any thoughts initial thoughts 8.5 million uh, f- for a united player who's also on penalties. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm I'm trying to find a way to fit him in. I'm, I'm struggling a bit. I would be very happy to get him in. Right? Uh, 8.5 million is perfectly priced. I think uh, uh, I think FPL has done wonders by making players easier to you know, get in. 
in a way it's good it makes the game easier but at the same time you know everyone is easy to get in right so you have to start <laughs> making your drafts you can only get five midfielders right and that's what we were talking about at the start of the pod i was looking at his expected metrics uh, from last season and he underperformed by a big big margin you know he could have got another 200 point of season if uh, you know united strikers whoever he was creating for you know converted and he also uh, underperformed a bit on the xg side of things so Uh, the metrics look really good uh, i was surprised to see him fourth highest in terms of you know shots attempted uh, among midfielders so he attempted a lot of shots with 92 shots across the season right and he also had a lot of shots on target uh, so and obviously big chances he led it actually he had 32 big chances created uh, whereas kdb had 31 obviously kdb had way lesser minutes right so he's everything looks good the fixtures i i would say look good for the first 3 4 right i wish i could have him currently in my draft i don't who knows things can change uh what do you do you were saying you might not double up what are your thoughts do you want to double up with transfer i'm i'm still in the same uh, thought double up seems to be an overkill at this stage but the price is tempting i'm not going to lie you know the 8.5 million price tag is definitely definitely tempting my only thing is uh, i'm just waiting to see how tenag is going to use uh, mount and uh, bruno whether they are going to be you know two number eights playing alongside or uh, you know how that partnership is going to shape up so that's something i'm i'm waiting to watch whether it is both or it is one how the how that particular partnership is going to build out that's something i'm keen to watch but otherwise yeah. uh, from a price price perspective i don't see a big a big deal as you mentioned it, it's a pretty cheap price for someone like bruno who can you know uh, be on penalties or who who can take some of these long range shots and you know could could be serve as a great uh, assist potential as well if not for goals yeah so that's that's something which is uh, tempting me to put him on the watch list at a very close stage see if there is a way to fit in as you rightly mentioned but not doubling up at this stage but i'm just still giving it a thought over the season i do expect bruno to do well right because i think uh, if united have a lot more ball with them right uh, and it will definitely go via bruno right uh, i'm sure he'll be creating a lot more and uh, there's a good possibility of him finishing up as well i see united mirroring arsenal last season with a 4-3-3 kind of setup where uh, i think mount might take that odegaard role on the right side and bruno a bit Go of on. you know zaka not zaka but a, a bit more advanced zaka role right uh, so in my mind there's a possibility that mount benefits more out of that equation but uh, i'm just waiting for the preseason matches for you guys to begin i i, I know there was one against leeds but i think you do not have most of the team members in everyone played 45 minutes a lot of youngsters etc but as and when we start getting more serious preseason matches it's something to definitely look at yeah yeah definitely i have i have few more things to discuss but we'll keep it for another day uh, on bruno let's let's That's move on uh, uh, to the next player which is uh, your captain Martin Odegaard yeah let's and get so, let's get talking on Martin Odegaard fairly surprised so, to see a 20% ownership to be honest but uh, it might be because of the points from last season right uh, he was the second yeah. highest midfielder right i think he had 212 points is like incredible return right and 15 non penalty goals right uh, 
it was it was out of the world season from uh, his side at least for us and I, i'm sure it helped us a lot from a results point of view right i'm personally not starting with odegaard right? I, i find very difficult <laughs> to start with him because he's he's a guy who's very difficult to predict your returns with right so currently i'm starting my the season with a uh, game week 1 2 6 7 odd you know draft right and i know that first three four fixtures are really good right so it's always going to be a when it comes to arsenal assets right odegaard versus martinelli and if you have saka confirmed right uh who's the guy and midfielder there is just so many options this year right so i'm not starting there but i see that he's fairly popular uh, primarily because he's had such a good season last year right uh, what yeah. are your thoughts do you, do you want to start with him do you want to keep him on his on your watch list i i really wish there is a few more midfield slots to be honest you know if there is more than five i might i might trim down a couple of defenders or forwards for that matter <laughs> but this this kind of takes me uh, you know um, the discussion that we had pre season of last season you know if you recollect we, we were discussing how to fit in both odegaard as well as saka and how that could have benefited you know throughout the season if we had stuck with that you know yeah. if, if if in case i am just giving an hypothetical answer here if we had both, all three martinelli saka and odegaard throughout the season we could have had some 600 plus points just from the three of them and they were cheap <laughs> no yeah, not and, but, but yeah the season they had a you know, fair bit of price bump up for obvious reasons as you told uh, odegaard being the second most uh, you know point scorer in midfield so i'm i'm not looking to double up uh, similarly to what i was doing in uh, with united yes uh, he is he is going to be a pretty good uh, and a very popular uh, asset given the way that you guys uh, your fixtures are uh, shaping up you know uh, two home games or no, not two uh, three home games in the first four if i'm not wrong Correct. you know yeah. a great great set of uh, fixtures and the other aspect is you have a rock solid defensive option now in the form of uh, you know declan rice so that gives a little more freedom to odegaard you know if at all if there is anything that he was tied back or doing defensive uh, you know responsibilities last season this kind of you know um, helps him move forward a little more more freely he has that uh, fall back option of uh, declan rice okay there is someone who is more experienced more you know uh, a solid player in terms of defensive cover so these things kind of puts odegaard in a very good position i don't see a problem with people doubling up personally it, uh, with a structure that i have currently have in mind i might not be able to fit him in but if you are planning to double up i wouldn't really be against it yeah yeah uh, just to add something that you know he has so much of the ball right and he creates so much last season he had the maximum bonus points as well as bps compared to all the midfielders right so inherently he's a good player and he'll get to those points more or less right and he had the third highest attempts on goal uh, among all midfielders which really surprised me right he, he took a lot of shots he did not take it from inside the box but last season he had a lot of goals coming in from outside the box so he did he did really well whether he can and so those are you know mostly low xg shots which he was converting right whether he can do it again we have to see but it is all down to the confidence that we Uh, you know that the player has in into the season right so sure. uh, yeah 
All right, let's let's get past to the next one. Another Arsenal midfielder, so Gabriel Martinelli this time. So this is a bit surprising. Fourteen uh, percent ownership. I I kind of expected a little more, but maybe maybe people are running out of midfield slots as I just mentioned. Uh, he had a pretty good season. Uh, that too at the start of the last season, he, he was kind of you know blasting things around. So so what do you say? Eight uh, million, eight point five million, uh, two midfielders at eight point five million. Uh, and eight million I'm for Martinelli. <laughs> so you are going both Martinelli and Saka. Correct. See, uh, I'm in fixtures are there, right? I'm Arsenal fan. Uh, I, I, it's just the fact that you know last season Arsenal had an average XG of close to three, uh, or I think more than three. Uh, you know, at home games, right? So at home, we I know we are fairly strong. Having a player in that price bracket gives you the flexibility to move out. We have a lot of options, right? So. Uh, that's the reason I, I definitely want to start with at least two midfielders. And uh, for me, McNally at 8 million, that 0.5 million cheaper, right? It gives you that advantage. I was expecting him to be slightly cheaper because he did not hit that 200 mark. He got injured, right? Uh, I know with FPL, you know, that points returns does help you, you know, in the price assessment at the beginning of the season. Uh, and if you look at his shooting, if you look at his creativity, right, he'll not stand out in any metric, but he's there among top five, top six in almost all the metrics. That's the best part about Martinelli. He's looking at his per 90 metrics, right? Be it creativity, be it shooting, he does it, he does it all so well, right? So at 8 million, I think he's a great glue pick, right? Someone to pick and just run with it. I know Martinelli will find his way to into points. It's just that uh, one thing, again, you know, I'm trying to check my Arsenal bias uh, to think of, you know, what can be the negative thing, right? So, I'm trying to give one negative thing or one con among all the assets. And with Martinelli, one con is the minutes, is the X minutes, right? I, I was just going to start. ask, <laughs> I was just going to ask, do you expect competition given that you have, uh, you know, some additional reinforcements in terms of your attacking, uh, you know, midfielders or strikers, be it. So, will that going to, uh, you know, play around, be habits coming in, uh, you know, will that push uh, Jesus on the left or even Havertz might play on the left, you know, things like that. You have Trasard as well, who had, uh, you know, some amazing performance off the bench uh, last season throughout uh, throughout the season. So, minutes, yeah, even I'm, I'm a bit, uh, you know, kind of worried about that, uh, how well he's going to be rot- rotated, how well he's going to be protected as minutes. So, yeah, that's the only caveat even I, I might have uh, had. I do expect him to start most of the matches, at least at the beginning of the season, even though he's coming back from, you know, a long injury. Uh, so, fitness-wise, he's not there. He did not start the preseason match against Nuremberg, but I expect him to start by the time US 2 starts. So, that will give us some idea. Uh, but if he's fit, I am expecting him to start. It's just that uh, he is a guy who can do between 55 to 70 minutes regularly, right? So, he might right. drop in that uh, Arteta, might take him off, just before 60 minutes, he did sometimes uh, last season, right? Those things can upset you, but his price is there to balance it out, right? So, that's the reason I'm starting with him. But uh, let's see. I think preseason will give us a bit more idea as to how the minutes can be into some of these Arsenal players. All right. Let's get on to the next. Just quickly brushing end, upon... Yeah, I mean, I, I really... premium segment, right? 
right this is the end of the premium segment i uh, we really didn't want to take much time uh, discussing uh, or getting into the stats or anything of that sort for both yota and diaz we know the caliber of these players you know it is only that uh, similar to what we discussed for uh, martinelli it is the x minutes you know that, that's going to be something we need to watch out given that they also have uh, you know additional options coming into their midfield uh, so how well uh, the minutes are going to be managed how well each of these uh, players are going to get minutes that's something uh, which i would really be uh, you know watchful about if at all if someone who's going the no sala route whom would you suggest uh, sankalp one of the uh, budget or the the you know starting category of the premium midfielders if you want to suggest one uh, from liverpool yeah so uh, i i'm obviously waiting for nehal's pod here on liverpool where he takes us a bit more detail it like you said we have i think six attackers from liverpool uh, who can all fit in in various positions luis diaz exactly. for me is the guy who's more likely as a starter compared to any other guy he's someone who comes in our mid priced uh, you know segment at 7.5 million uh, but because of the lack of minutes and lack of stats we have clubbed both jota and diaz uh, together i really want to see how luis diaz performs i think he's a explosive player right whether he's a explosive fpl asset or not is something to be seen right there's a caveat there yeah. because he he does a lot of things but at the end of the day he can create for others and he might have uh, some pre assists right i don't know how strong a finisher he is again not a lot of minutes for us to judge on he's a good player to watch he's really really attacking he really takes on players right so i i am more interested in luis diaz compared to others uh, but when we look at uh, i think couple of forward uh, players from liverpool those are also some of the options that we can look at when it's no sala right but it's definitely a wait and watch and i'm hoping nehal can give us a bit more idea before we yeah, start this yeah. so so watch out for that those spots coming your way in in, in the few weeks uh, from now to the start of the season so you'll have a team specific pods from us all right so having said that uh you want to quickly touch upon the the top 5 or top 6 teams uh fixtures is, yeah so before we get into the next segment of this podcast which is the mid priced midfielders right just closing on and you can look at why the fixtures are you know a bit more appealing for me when it comes to arsenal fixtures right there are a lot of greens there are a lot of home games right uh, i feel like they are a good way to start before you segue into your wild card one draft right liverpool uh, also have fairly you know decent fixtures i would say and there is also a reason i'm not very comfortable with a no salah draft right but it's it's someone that uh, you know once we have an idea as to who's the attacker to go with I will definitely try and integrate at least one attacker from Liverpool because I think they had the third highest xG last season as well, and they were fairly strong in the attack. While defensively they were conceding a lot, uh, they were scoring, they were creating a lot of chances. Right, uh, so something to wait and watch. Then you have Manchester City. I don't think there's anything to see. Uh, you know, speak about any fixture is a good fixture for them. I see Newcastle at home. You know, being a red fixture, it's not right. It's, it's still, it's not <laughs> an easy fixture, but it's not a red fixture. Right? So they have all greens. It's just for us to see who can we take apart from Highland, right? And we'll get into those names when we get into the mid-priced budget option. And apart from that, United. I'm fairly excited about United, especially if they change the style a bit. I think. 
we will see those uh, you know ret- changes coming in the attacking side of things you know bit more players getting uh, you know uh, involved in the goals and for us a bit more options as to where we can go when it comes to attack <laughs> spurs last not the least but definitely looking at game week 1 and 2 because they have madison they have sun they have a lot of popular fpl picks who can just explode given the right set of conditions right that that pretty much covers up uh, you know the premium category that we had